Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. You guys good? Um, so glad you're with us on this um, MLK weekend, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Um, and I just want to acknowledge, because it's such a, a big part of our church, because it's a big part of the gospel, which means good news of Jesus in the scriptures. And uh, just the contributions made toward racial healing, racial reconciliation. And that really is a thing that's the heart of the gospel that a lot of people miss. It's why the church should be on the forefront of recognizing what Jesus launched. And that is that every person is made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And so um, we just want to acknowledge those contributions and the ongoing work in every city and community that the church really should be at the forefront of to go. Every single individual matters to God. And so this idea of just racial healing and racial reconciliation goes to the heart of what Jesus came to bring to planet Earth. And that is, he wanted to reconcile sinful people to himself. But you cannot understand and celebrate that reconciliation in the gospel without it bleeding over into all the relationships of your life and recognizing that the church, when it was founded, was multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-generational, socioeconomically diverse. It was for the entire world. And so if the church doesn't reflect that, it doesn't understand what Jesus launched in the first century. So it's a passion of mine. And um, every semester, in fact, we have a, a group called Be the Bridge where we just come together where you can participate, not participate, have conversations around this idea of just racial healing and this being at the heart of what Jesus brought to planet Earth. And so um, I would be remiss if I didn't recognize that today. So glad you guys are with us. You ready to dive in to part two of this series called It's Time? <clears throat> That wasn't convincing, but I'm going to trust by faith that you are. You all have heard this statement if you grew up in any kind of religious environment. If not, you still might be familiar with it, and that is that God loves you just the way that you are. So most of us have heard that. Like, if, if you're trying to figure out God and there is God, like, you hope so, right? Because we'd all be in trouble if we're honest about ourselves. So you hope if a God exists, that's kind of how um, he's rolling with things. But then um, the other side of it, well, actually, like you go to the most famous verse in all the scriptures, actually kind of um, implies this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And the implication is that God showed up and he loved people just the way they were. And he loved the, the world just the way it was before they had changed anything and before they even knew anything about God. And this is actually really important if you're a skeptic trying to figure things out today on radio, you're listening all over the state of Florida, you're watching, you're podcasting, you're in the house. What's really interesting is Jesus always invited people to follow even before they believed. And so it's, it's, it's really a part of who God is to come into our mess before anything has changed. So that's true about God. But just like a good parent, and if you're not a parent or you didn't have good parents, you probably at least know what one should look like. Like a good parent, every once in a while, he, he would say to us, I love you just the way that you are, but I also love you too much for you to stay where you are. Like I have a vision for your life. I want you to move you, move you beyond where you just are in the moment to what you could be and to what you should be. 
And any good parent would want that for their kids. So I'll come back to that in a second. So we're in part two of the series, It's Time, Moving Past the Excuses That Hold Us Back. And so what we said last week is this, that moving into the new year, you already have this idea, even if you didn't write it down, of this is what I want to change, this is what I want to do, this is the decisions I should make, um, your new gym membership that already went out the window, like whatever it is for you, but like you have an idea of where, where you want to go this next year. And there are some things you should take with you from the previous year, and then there's other things that you should leave behind forever. And the biggest thing for all of us is our excuses. The excuses specifically that are holding us back in certain areas of our life. Now, here's what we said last week. An excuse is basically um, what I would define as a paper tiger. A paper tiger is something that seems insurmountable. It's a massive obstacle, but at the end of the day, it's actually not real. There's nothing to it, and yet we're giving into it. Um, But from a distance, our excuses look like real obstacles. For some of us, we have excuses that have held us back for like a decade, and they're not really even real. We, we made them up. And from a distance, our excuses, they look like reasons. And here's the thing that I think most of us know is that there is a really fine line between reasons and excuses, like a really fine line. And in fact, one always disguises itself as the other. And over time, if you kind of hide behind those paper tigers of excuses long enough that you're disguising as reasons, your excuses will turn into becauses. Because is that you hide behind, meaning like somebody, why didn't you? Why haven't you? Why don't you start? Why don't you finish? Why did you leave? Why did you stay? Why haven't you talked to him or her? Why didn't you knock that off? Why didn't you get help? Why didn't you make a counseling appointment? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? Because dot, dot, dot. And you have a well-rehearsed, like believable narrative of the reasons for why you did or didn't do what you did. And we're smart people, so we're good at it. And we do it long enough and we convince other people and then we convince ourselves because they're all rational reasons. But the reality is for some of us, and this is kind of the gut punch, is that those excuses are really just, or really the reasons I should say, are masqueraded excuses that we try to pass off as causes in our life. And part of the way we know this is how we actually refer to them. And we said this last week, but people will actually say, hey, stop what? Making excuses. Quit making excuses. Implication, you made it up. You you manufactured that. You fabricated it. It's not even real. And now you have this paper tiger of an excuse that you're hiding behind that you're trying to pass off as an actual obstacle. And the thing is, like for all of us, The truth is that our excuses are really just lies that we tell ourselves. Now, we don't ever want to say that, like an excuse, or that sounds a lot better, but they're just lies that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And again, you tell it to yourself long enough, you're like, no, 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 that is a real reason. Because you've kind of lost sight of the reality of your situation, and you're just hiding there, and you're not moving forward. And most importantly, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not moving forward with what God has for this next season of your life. So let me ask you, or actually, um, here's the other thing that we said last week, this question. I, I want to jump forward to where I'm going, but we'll get there in a second. Um, here's a question I asked you last week. Is it possible, is it possible that some of your well-rehearsed reasons are actually excuses and you have great reasons for them? That's the thing. It's deceiving because you have really great reasons. And a lot of it stems from or was initiated because of what somebody said to you, what somebody told you, what somebody labeled you, what somebody um, ultimately expected of you, and then you didn't come through on those expectations. And, and is it possible, and again, I get this is bothersome, and it's like we don't really want to answer these questions, but is it possible that you've actually invented reasons 
to defend some of the, the reasons for your reactions or your overreactions or the things that you're neglecting or the things that you're avoiding? Like, is it possible? And you don't want to admit it and you haven't admitted it to yourself for a long time and your narrative feels really, really comfortable. But if you were to be honest with yourself, you know, it's not true. It's an excuse. And here's the reason that you should know the answer to that question. There's actually a couple. The first reason is because other people know the answer to that question about you. Isn't that true? We said this last week. You can see excuses in other people like a mile away. If you've got kids, I said it last week, but you can see it in your kids a mile away because you're smarter than them. And you're like, no, 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 that's not a reason. That's an excuse that you're trying to sell me on, right? But the same is true on the other side that is kind of terrifying is that people can look into your life and get a window into your life, friends, neighbors, maybe even a coworker. And they're like, eh, that's, not, that's not a reason. You fabricated that. You made that up. And everybody around you, at least it's close, they know it. So you should just admit it to you. And then the other reason that we should know is because of this. People who make excuses rarely make much of a difference. In fact, a lot of times it's an either or proposition. It's either you keep hiding behind that excuse and live there for the the rest of your life, or you kind of move forward to make a difference specifically with what God has for your life. And God would say to you, listen, I don't want you to live your life and miss the plan that I have for you. Because you continue to move forward and you cowered and you were afraid and you lived behind these excuses. And at the end of the day, the root of a lot of our excuses is actually selfishness. Like excuses are selfish. And last week we said, if you live your life for yourself, you will only have yourself to show for yourself. Your life is not worth living for. My life by itself is not worth living for. I was created to live for something bigger. And at the heart, honestly, of our excuses is our selfishness. And then if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, again, you can pick and choose what you want to do with the rest of this message. But if you're a Jesus follower, there's another reason that we should know this. And that is because there's a direct connection between our ability to follow Jesus, not willingness, a lot of people are willing, but our ability to follow Jesus and fully surrender our lives to Jesus and our willingness to move past the excuses, the fabricated reasons that are holding us back. We said last week, just to kind of quote biblical language, but like we, we have a king, if you follow Jesus, King Jesus. And it's easy then rather, rather than making him kind of the king or the Lord of your life, that we end up kind of making excuses, the boss or the master of our life. And they tell you what you can do, what you can't do, what you should avoid, what you shouldn't avoid, what you're good at, what you can succeed at. And the tragedy of that, as I said last week, is that you serve a God that wants to do something way beyond your natural capacity, and way beyond what you think is possible, and way beyond what you would have even chosen for your life. And the tragedy is we can get held down by all of these excuses that are telling us what we can and can't do. And all the while, it is literally keeping us from the power of the Spirit of God to accomplish something in our life that is beyond what we could ever do on our our own. And Jesus is inviting us into that to go, I want you to follow me and I have a unique plan, will, and destiny for your life. Don't allow your excuses to become the Lord or the master of your life to where you live your life worshiping King Jesus and in some ways bowing and surrendering to the excuses that are dominating you and holding you back. And at the end of the day, because you serve a resurrected king, they're nothing but a paper tiger. They don't have the power to keep you where you are. And Jesus would say to you, I know what you could be. 
what you should be, what you have the potential to be, what is on the other side of this if you will stop hiding. So follow me. Stop lying to yourself. Stop hiding behind these excuses. Now, here's the thing. Jesus would call people out around this all the time. Now, this is just a quick side note, and I'll kind of, you'll see this in the narratives that I'm about to read. Um, Jesus would, would sometimes not so gently call people out. Like, I know we love cuddly version of Jesus. He's not always cuddly. I know we love, like, feathered hair Jesus, petting a lamb, like that Jesus. Sometimes he was a little in your face. Like, quick theology lesson, not in my notes, which is dangerous, but it's just a real quick version. Like, there's different roles. We believe in the Trinity, which is you're trying to figure all this out. I get that's weird, so just go with me for a second, or I'll tell you when to tune back in. But the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, God the Son is Jesus. There's two different, there's different roles between the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit's role primarily is to comfort. That's not Jesus' primary role. And if you look at the life of Jesus when he touched down on planet Earth, Jesus' primary role was to actually confront. Jesus' primary role was actually to disrupt. In fact, he disrupted an entire religious system. He turned tables over. He got in the face of religious people. That's not in opposition to his love and his grace. His grace and truth fully work together. But sometimes as an expression of his love, he sets aside cuddly Jesus to get in our face to go, I want something more for your life because I love you. I mean, again, if you have kids, I hate that I'm not giving you another examples, but many of you will understand this. You got kids, that's how you interact with your kids sometimes. Like I gave you a bunch of stories about my kids off the rails behavior last week. I've got new ones. We're just a week away about the puff paint that got all over my house. I, in a not so cuddly fashion, got in my boy's face to go, you can't do that. And I've told you a hundred times, right? But I love you. So that's what Jesus would do all the time. So one day um, he confronts this guy. You, you guys with me? Okay. One day he confronts this guy and he asks him to follow Jesus. And this is the guy's response. Luke records it in Luke chapter nine, verse 59. But the guy replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. And we're like, well, that's reasonable. Family first. Like you should go tend to, let me give you the cultural context real quick. Because we think, oh, well, when's the funeral? In that context, like you died, they buried you right away. Like maybe sometimes same day. So Jesus knows that this guy's um, father, he is alive and well. In fact, we don't know, he might be really alive and well. He might just be, you know, retiring and getting the gold watch and playing golf, like living, everything is fine. And Jesus knows this. This guy wouldn't be chatting it up if his father's like body was in the house. So this is basically, Jesus knows, it's an excuse. When my father eventually dies, that could be a decade from now, but when he finally dies, I, and after all that, then I'll catch up with you and, and then I'll, I'll get to kind of the, you know, following you, hold, you know, that deal. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's an excuse. Now, here's the thing about this guy too. He feared something. It, it, might, it may have been that he feared losing his inheritance, which is like, okay, I get that. But Jesus comes to him and says, listen, I'm inviting you to follow me now. And there are certain opportunities that are time sensitive. Can I just tell you this real quick? God is full of love, full of grace. It's amazing as you look back on the landscape of your life, if you follow Jesus for a while, then the amount of patience he's shown to get you to where he wants you, at least that's the story of my life, overwhelming patience that I'm even where I am and the fact that he put up with me for as long as he has. But there's also certain things that God is gonna call you to, certain opportunities God's gonna invite you into, and they are time sensitive.
positive. And he is not looking for you to contemplate or think about it. He's looking for you to do it and to surrender to his will. And if you decide you're not going to or you're going to delay it, that opportunity may not be available later. That's just the reality. And, and so, you know, in this story um, or, or in this interaction, Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm inviting you into something big and your fear is robbing you and you are going to regret it. Later is gonna be too late. Some opportunities come and go. And and Jesus knew if this guy waits, the opportunity was gonna be gone because Jesus was gonna be gone. And then do you remember Jesus' reply? It's a little in your face. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Okay? Basically, you're making excuses I know it's a little harsh. I know it seems a little over the top, but you're making excuses and I'm inviting you into something so much bigger than yourself and you will look back on this moment and you'll regret it. Just side question. I just find this interesting. Anybody know what the name of that guy was? Nope. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the name of this guy because Jesus invited him into an opportunity that he didn't take. He had no idea what God was going to do. And then verse um, 61, another guy volunteers and invites himself. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. And then he catches himself, and I'm making part of this up, but I, I think this is kind of how this went. He kind of catches himself, and he looks around at Jesus, guys, and he's like, none of these people are impressive. That is a ragtag bunch. Didn't even graduate from junior college. These guys are fishermen over here. Like I'm just, and he heard and remembered all of the rumors about Jesus and his guys. He's like, ah. And so he's like, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, uh, let me, um, but first let me, um, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Like after he looked around his guys, like I'm not following this guy. And again, we're like, well, that sounds reasonable. He loves his family. He wants to go say, God, say goodbye to him. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's an excuse. Here's the thing, just real quick about us. Isn't it true that almost all of our reasons that disguise our excuses sound reasonable? That's why you can get away with telling you that for a decade. That's why you can tell other people that and they believe you. That's why you can disguise the whole thing behind this well-crafted reason and the reason is reasonable and it just continues to allow you to stay comfortable hiding behind that paper tiger and not moving forward with what God has for your life. And Jesus knew, hey, listen, it's an excuse. And by the way, all the guys that are following me, they left families. They left their businesses behind. Some of them were disowned in order to protect their families. They missed funerals. They missed weddings. They dropped everything to follow me. And what you're giving me is just an excuse. And so Jesus calls them out in verse 62. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, just pause real quick, if you know anything about farming, which I certainly don't. But in farming, I just know this part. When you're, um, you know, plowing a straight furrow, does anybody, this is just a side note too, get anxiety if like the lawn, the lines on the lawn are not lined up perfectly? Okay, what does that say about me? Like I have anxiety for the next week until we can fix it. Like the lines are not straight. So anyway, um, I should have left that in my head. So in order to plow like the straight furrow, like you got to look ahead. And if you don't, you can easily go off of the rails into the rocky soil, messes the whole thing up. And so he's like, listen, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, 
Nobody who does that is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're afraid to go all in. And because you're afraid to go all in, I'm leaving you behind. And it sounds harsh, but Jesus is like, I'm inviting you and you're not going with me. And you're making all the excuses in the world. And I want you to be a part of this, but I can't make you. This is the amazing thing about God. God will invite you, but God will not force his will on you. So he's like, I'm gonna leave you behind. Now, here's the interesting thing about Jesus seemingly, and we haven't even gotten to the the harshest part of his comments, but the seemingly kind of harsh, insensitive part of Jesus' comments, what's really interesting if you're a skeptic is a lot of secular um, historians and secular you know, thinkers will actually look at these words and to them it actually gives more authenticity and credibility to the fact that they're real <laughs> because nobody who's trying to start a movement would say these things and attribute them to Jesus. And so secular thinkers actually in their minds, it actually gives greater authenticity to the fact that Jesus actually said these things because who would make this up if you're trying to get a movement started? And so Jesus says, I'm gonna leave you behind if you don't go all in. And it sounds a little harsh and it sounds a little in your face, but come on, isn't that what somebody who love you does? Like, have you ever experienced this for somebody, I mean, who genuinely loves you? They don't have an agenda. There's some, you know, emotional IQ there. They're waiting for the right time. Like, you know their heart, but they are loving you enough where they're willing to tell you, hey, the excuses that you have disguised as reasons are just that, they're excuses. And they're leading you in a direction that you don't wanna go. And I want more for your life. So I'm gonna be the one friend in your life to tell you this isn't a reason. It's an excuse, It's a paper tiger, and I don't want to see you do this to your life. And so I love you enough to just tell you to knock it off, to get honest with yourself. Like some of the greatest friends in my life have been the people that I was close enough to that maybe in some ways even risked part of the friendship to be able to tell me things that I didn't want to hear. And so Jesus says, listen, I love you enough to be honest with you. And here's the thing that as I was looking at these scriptures that came to the forefront of my mind that honestly bothered me because this is such a convicting, uncomfortable question. The question is this. As you think about your reasons that are really excuses or paper tigers that you're hiding behind, and maybe you've hid behind them for a while, the question is how, how would Jesus respond to your reasons? That thing, that step of faith, the, hey, why haven't you let that go? Why haven't you reconciled that? Why haven't you gotten help? Why haven't you made that decision? Why haven't you had the conversation? Why haven't you sent the text? Why do you keep staying here? Why haven't you left? How would Jesus respond to your reasons? Jesus who knows your heart and your failures and your past and your story and also a Jesus who knows what is on the other side of that thing that's holding you back. Jesus who knows what you could be, what you should be, what he has planned for your life. I said this last week, but I just need to say it again because it's such an important Christian teaching is that there is a macro plan that God has for the human race and for the church and our generation. But I just don't want you to miss it. God has a plan for your life. God has a destiny for your life. And I don't care if you're walking into a boardroom right now as a CEO or you're working a drive-through window. God has something for your future. And listen, the gospel is beautiful in that if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, believing he lived a perfect life you couldn't, died the death for our sin, past, present, and future. I think historically rose from the dead. 
when you say, Jesus, I'm trusting you and I'm, I'm asking you to save me and forgive me, Jesus will do that in an instant and you will become a son and a daughter of God adopted by him. You can call God Heavenly Father. And I've said this so many times that even if you screw the rest of your life up and never really follow him, one day you will stand face to face with your Heavenly Father who will open his arms to you to say, you are complete, you are whole, you are righteous, you are my son, you are my daughter. I accept you as you are because my salvation is based on my performance for you and not what you could do for yourself. But that doesn't lessen the tragedy of the fact that God's given us a little bit of time and a little bit of breath to make a difference that's gonna matter for all of eternity. And he's inviting us into it. And so 17-year-old, 13-year-old, 35-year-old, not where you wanna be in your career, so much of that is out of whack and not congruent with what God's doing in eternity. If you would just come around the reality, do you know that God has called you to a unique destiny in your generation? That's not an overstatement. That is at the heart of Jesus' invitation to you. And so Jesus who would do anything he can to stop you from hurting you. Just heads up, sometimes Jesus will hurt your feelings <laughs> in order to keep you from hurting you. Some of the things that you don't like that Jesus says, I get it. But just so you know, that's not a, that's not a test of truth. People will walk away from Jesus because they don't like how some of the things Jesus said make them, makes them feel. But how you feel is not a test for whether something is true or not. And sometimes, sometimes Jesus needs to confront you, confront me, hurt our feelings, get in our face a little bit, not because he doesn't love us, because he's a savior who does love us and he knows what he has planned for our lives. And so he says, I want more for you. I know what you could be and should be. So how does a good savior respond to our becauses and our reasons and our excuses? Probably how you respond in the New Testament. He'd probably tell us a parable <laughs> that was meant to move us beyond our paper tigers. Maybe similar to the one that Matthew told um, that, or he recorded that Jesus said one day. One day Jesus told this parable. By the way, a parable is an untrue story used to illustrate something that's true. Okay, so generally it's hyperbole, it's a little over the top, it's exaggerated, but the point is to make a truth come to, re, you know, kind of um, become clear, but the story's not true. So one day Jesus tells a story, there was these, this master, three servants, he gives, the master gives um, two of the servants quite a bit of money and says, I want you to invest this. He gives the third servant less money, but I want you to invest it too. I'm going away on vacation. Like I'll be in Cancun or whatever. When I come back, I want to look at the portfolio. I want to see how you invested my money and then we'll go from there. So the guy goes on a long trip and eventually, um, Matthew 25, 14, he gives them the money and each uh, did according to their ability. So eventually this guy returned back from you know, his trip. He gets a report about what they did with his money management. And the first two that were given more actually doubled his money. So he's like, sweet, that's amazing. And then verse 23, his master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Basically, I've got enough profits here. I have enough margin here or returns on this that we can share some of that. So break open the champagne, we'll celebrate it. Great job, win-win. Well, then there's the third servant. Now, just real quick about him. He was given less money to invest, but he also had less to lose. There's very little risk. And so he comes forward and he gives the master or the head money manager an excuse. Now, 
It's a parable, untrue story, used to illustrate something that's true. In every parable, somebody represents God and somebody represents the audience or us. So in verse 24, master, the servant said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Basically, so this is my paraphrase. This is what the third guy who didn't do anything with the money, here's the implication. Before I tell you what I did with your money, you just need to know it's not my fault. And I think he would go on to say this. It's actually your fault because if you weren't the way you are, I wouldn't have done what I did. It was out of my control. So chill. Like that's the implication. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. It's your problem. You should get that rectified. You should go to some counseling. You should get with HR about all of this, but it is not my fault. It's your fault. Now here's the thing. At the root of almost every single excuse is fear. At the root of almost every single excuse that you make, it's fear. It's fear of admission. It's fear of failure. It's fear of loss. It's fear of being found out. It's fear of embarrassment. I mean, come on. Sometimes the most terrifying thing in the world is to acknowledge something about yourself that you haven't wanted to acknowledge about yourself. And I know you're like me, like I don't like to admit that I'm ever afraid. I don't like to admit that I'm a coward. But is it possible that some of your excuses are just disguised fear that you've never confronted? And you just need to know this. Fear is the thing that fuels excuses. Look at the areas where you are most afraid and follow the fear trail. Because where you find fear is where you will find some of the biggest excuses that you're hiding behind in your life. And you know what Jesus' number one command is most often repeated command in the New Testament was? Fear not. Fear not. Even if you may risk loss, even if you may risk admission, even if you may risk embarrassment, even if you risk, well, how are they going to receive this? Even if you risk having to acknowledge something about you that somehow punches holes in your well-rehearsed narrative, and you have to acknowledge, I'm not where I want to be, and I'm not where I've been saying or telling myself I am, and I just have to acknowledge this, but I am not going to be afraid, because Jesus' most often repeated command was, do not be afraid. And the reality is, as hard as it is on the front end. I have something for you on the other side of this. See, this is the greatest tragedy of hiding behind excuses when Jesus is inviting you into something else because you have no idea what hangs in the balance of confronting that thing. You have no idea what God would do. You have no idea what God fully is inviting you into. And you can leave and you can live and lead your entire life and never really know what God would have done if you would have trusted him. If you were to move beyond that fear and ultimately beyond those excuses to trust him in that area of your life or that thing that you haven't been willing to acknowledge. So the guy says, verse 25, I was afraid. So I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Basically, he's like, don't be mad at me. It's not my fault. And then verse 26, his master replied, I understand. No worries. Here's a gift card. Get yourself a venti mocha with whip. It's no big deal, all right? Other two guys, they got me plenty of return. You didn't. It's fine. Just chill. It's not going to be that big a deal. It's all right. (laughs) 
That's not the verse. That's not how he responded at all. At all. At all. You wicked, lazy servant. You're like, Jesus, calm down. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and I gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back at least with interest. Basically, you have no excuse and it's not all right. It is a big deal. I'm not gonna tell you just go chill and not worry about it because you allowed your fear to blind you to the opportunity that was right in front of you. And I'm just telling you, Jesus would say, you're gonna look back at that opportunity. You could at least have had something to show for what I gave you. You're gonna look back and you're gonna realize you missed the opportunity of a lifetime. And again, remember, this is a parable. So it's untrue story used to illustrate something is true. So in the story made up, the master turns to his bodyguards and says this, Throw away that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. XOXO. Here's the bottom line. This is the point of the parable. People who make excuses go to hell. I'm kidding. That's not, was not the point. And I thought you guys uh, would get that and you didn't get that. And so that will be erased from the podcast. That's not his point. It's not his point. You can tell that to your kids, but that's not his point. I, I, this, I say this as humbly as I can. I've almost never heard this verse interpreted correctly. We always rip it out of context, and, that, and that's the context usually we hear it in, which absolutely makes no sense. So let me kind of put it in, in our context or at, at street level, and here's what I would say. It seems and appears so harsh, but Jesus is telling an over-the-top story to make a point, and really it is an expression of his love for humanity and his love for the world that I have something for you. I want something for you. So let me illustrate what he's saying here. Anybody tempted, was anybody tempted to buy Bitcoin at a dollar and then you decided not to? Okay, another example. You may not even know what I'm talking about. Uh, anybody um, tempted to buy Tesla stock before it went public, decided not to, even though it didn't have a good 2022. Um, I just heard a, a thing recently where Matt Damon was offered to be a part of the sign-on with the Avatar like thing, franchise, whatever. And he turned it down because it was a scheduling conflict. So now he kind of, you know, figured up how much he would have made if he would have signed on the Avatar project. It's $250 million that he lost out on because he didn't sign up for that project. As crazy as that is, that's what Jesus is talking about. And I've almost have never heard this verse interpreted correctly, but this has nothing to do with physical pain. That's not what Jesus is illustrating. This has everything to do in the context with intense regret, intense frustration, intense disappointment. Because in his made up story, this person got to the other side and they realized that God, if we relate it to our context, was inviting them into something extraordinary and they missed the opportunity. The opportunity was gone and they're never going to get it back. The third servant who was given something, and it wasn't as much as these guys, but that didn't matter, was given something that he could have stewarded and stewarded. And he recognizes in hindsight, I missed the opportunity of a lifetime. And I just can't stress this enough, the heart of your heavenly father revealed through Jesus on planet earth that Jesus is saying to us, I have something so much bigger for you. 
and I'm not trying to pay you back for anything. I already did that at the cross. Past, present, and future. In fact, Jesus paid for dysfunction that you haven't even gotten to yet. Some of you think you're better than you are actually going to end up, and Jesus died for that version of you. And he says, I have a plan, I have a will, I have a destiny for your life, and I just, I just don't want you to miss it. And you can hide behind excuses and paper tigers and live your life with the hope of heaven when you die and God's gonna come through on his promise, but miss what God was asking you to live out as you walk this earth, to follow him, to trust him, to walk by faith. And he knows that it is possible that if you don't watch out, You can excuse your life away. You can excuse a marriage away. You can excuse your relationship with your kids away. You can excuse your health away. Heck, if if you're not, if you're not watching it, you can excuse your faith away. Jesus says, follow me. I want more for you. And if there's anything that you should be afraid of missing, you should fear missing out on who you should be and who you could be. You should fear missing out on who God uniquely has created you to be. If you're gonna fear anything, you should actually fear missing out on what you could do, on what you should do, and maybe more importantly for us, what you could do and should do for the people in the world around you because Jesus' number one command is, I want you to love other people the way that I've loved you. I want you to make a difference on planet Earth. And if you're gonna fear missing out on something, Fear living your life hiding behind self-inflicted, lie-induced, paper tigers and excuses that are holding you back from the destiny that God has called you into. So I'm just gonna end with this question. This is so bothersome. How would Jesus respond to your reasons? How would Jesus respond to your reasons? The good news is God loves you just the way that you are. But like any great parent, God loves you enough to not want you to stay where you are. And he loves you enough to call you out and call me out. Hey, the thing that you're hiding behind, it's not a reason. It's an excuse. And I have more for your life and following Jesus makes your life better and following Jesus will make you better at life. And he is inviting you to get honest. I'm telling you, for some of you, the moment you get honest, it will set you free to move past the excuses that are holding you back. So wherever you are, would you just pray with me? If you're listening via radio, if you're watching right now, if you're podcasting somewhere, physically, if you're in the room, and with nobody looking around, I just wanna give the opportunity for just a physical indication, demonstration, what the Spirit of God is doing, because I know for some of you, you need that. You need this moment to mark a decision where maybe you don't know what's, what's coming next. You don't know where this is gonna lead, but here's what you do have control over. You cannot lie to you. You cannot lie to yourself about yourself. That is within your control and within your grasp. And so right now you would say, there is an area, there is a thing, there's a circumstance, and maybe there's a lot of areas where I am hiding behind reasons that are actually excuses and I don't wanna hide any longer. And by just the act of acknowledging it, I wanna invite Jesus in to begin to move and work in my life and move me to the other side is because I have no idea what hangs in the balance and what God might do. So if that's you and there is an excuse that you've disguised as a reason that you need to let go of or you need to be honest, would you just lift up your hand real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. One more time because I, I don't need this and, but for some of you, you need this moment. And so 
Just lift up your hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To anchor this moment and this decision, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, do your thing in this moment. I cannot do it, but I am so well aware of what I believe the promise of Scripture is, and that is your word is living and it is powerful. And so do your thing to convict and to confront and to bother and do it in a way that the full measure of your love and grace comes with it so that we would not in any way move or default to shame, but we would, in the areas where we need to recognize the truth, we would recognize the truth while simultaneously recognizing your great love to expose the truth to ourselves. And that your invitation is an invitation to something that is so much better than what we would ever choose on our own. And so may this moment for some, specifically those who raised their hand or those who acknowledged a decision online or via radio, this would mark a moment where we would just decide I'm not gonna hide any longer. I'm gonna get honest and then I'm gonna trust what you wanna do with the rest. And so God, do your thing. And I pray all of this in your incredible name, the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.